Welcome to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today a conversation about Spike Lee's new film. It's based on a wild but true story about local police officers infiltrating the KKK in Colorado back in the 1970s. It's a wild one, and it's called Black Klansman. Also, a fantastic documentary currently playing on HBO and On Demand. It's about legendary newsman Ben Bradley called The Newspaper Man, The Life and Times of Ben Bradley. And what a full life this man lived. Absolutely. And I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. Pairing with Black Klansmen has been difficult for me. Do you toast one of the few African-American winemakers in the country? Or call out a wine owner who might be a complete racist. Graciously, (laughs) I have chosen the former, toasting philanthropist, activist, Grammy, Tony, Golden Globe, and Oscar-winning songwriter, singer, John Legend, and his LVE wine created with our friend, Jean-Charles Boisset. And for The Newsman, we'll pair a Napa Valley favorite just releasing their 2015 vintage now. It's called The Debate. We'll discuss a few newsworthy wine stories as well when we get to the newspaper man but first gary let's talk about this film i am i'm i'm still kind of just trying to process it was a it was fantastic it's been a while since we walked out of film and couldn't talk yeah it was so devastating to walk to the car after seeing this film and it's it's devastating i think for me for all the right reasons Mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm just i'm kind of blown away by this film this is a movie that will get better and better and better the more i think about it while i'm watching it it's kind of heavy-handed slightly awkward once in a while Mm -hmm. but it's a spike lee film and i think it's one of spike lee's best films so here's the deal it's the early 1970s and it's ron stallworth who's played by john david washington and if that rings a bell he's the guy in ballers yes He's the he's the wide receiver, isn't he? Yeah. He's the football player in, he's in Ballers. To get a deal. But he's also Denzel Washington's son mm-hmm. in real life. And this guy's a wonderful actor. And he plays the first African American detective to serve in the Colorado Springs Police Department. And back then, you you kind of realized, and I'm just saying how it's played out in the movie, because I did not read Stalwart's book, but how it's played out in the movie is they were just trying to find somebody to probably fill a quota right. in the police department. Cause, on, the, on the sign, it yeah. says, minorities, uh, please well, apply, please or apply. something like that. Yeah, they're and so just he, trying to... He to walks in the, with a big afro, yeah. and he's he's really an interesting person. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting human being. And and in the end, <laughs> so he, he, he goes, he decides, um, he's determined to make a name for himself. So what he's, he sets out on this kind of dangerous mission on his phone one day. Well, because in the local newspaper, there, there, was, was, an a, there was an ad for the, if you're interested in the Ku Klux Klan, please call here. And like, they gave there was a an, number. There was an ad in the local paper. In the 70s. Like, this is insane to me. <laughs> so he calls the number and he poses as a white racist. And just start spewing all this racist stuff in his office with all his colleagues, all his sitting, colleagues around, sitting around. And they're all just going, what are you doing? Wait, are you insane? And so they, the KKK decides that local chapter want, want to meet with him. You're the kind of guy we yeah, want. we love you. And so he has to find a, a white detective that he's working with, and it's played by Adam Driver. Who's fantastic. Who's fantastic in this film. So you have the voice of a guy, and then you have the real guy meeting with the KKK. And he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. And he's just spewing all this, you know... Horrible. Horrible stuff. The whole movie, the dialogue, pulls no punches on any of this stuff. And it... And they end up meeting David Duke, who's played by Topher Grace. Yes. And they end up meeting David Duke. And the whole idea in the 70s is the KKK was trying to get out of um, being 
I, I guess monikered all the time as being a big violent cross burning group, even though sure. they were, and and, and uh, even yes. though they were, but they were trying to be they were use to words Im- more and well, and they were trying more. to infiltrate into the local politics to basically take all of their horrible racist right. ideologies and and make that the world that. Sadly, I think we're living in today. <laughs> well, there's so many references to po- to modern culture in the it's, set. It's so it, it's like so relevant. We just never learn because we we're fighting the same we fight do the today. Exact same thing over and over. And we do it over and over and over it's again. It's just shocking to me. Spike Lee's and he uses words really well. This screenplay is really well written because without saying anything about the current administration, Absolutely. he pays homage to them in not a good way. And I, I think he's nailing it and accurate on it. And the film made me very angry and uncomfortable to watch. It kind of scared the daylights out of me mm-hmm. because as I'm watching it, uh, and our, you know, I know it's based on a true story, but just that, just that this happened and that it still exists is very, very disturbing. And we have this, and it, so the movie ends with a montage of, of current events. Mm-hmm. And the current events are so disturbing because they they really have to do with what happens at the end of that film too, and and it's it's also a comedy and it's hard to take it as a comedy. It probably had to be though in order to actually be able to sit through it because it is so horrible. I don't think you could watch this film if it wasn't a com if it wasn't intended to be somewhat of a really dark comedy, and and I appreciate that. Most of the time, to me, that doesn't work. Just be what you. Be what you're mm-hmm. going to be, but Spike's made his best film, I think, since Malcolm X and Do the Right mm-hmm. Thing. And I mean, he's when the levees broke, which was a documentary mm-hmm. on Katrina, Katrina was just phenomenal. But this is an Oscar level film for me. You know, Adam Driver is the guy in Star Wars. He's Kylo Ren. Yeah, he was in Silence, that Scorsese film that was so difficult. But you know, we get a, we get, and I'm I'm just going to make a big bold statement here that when when we see films like this, it just breaks our heart that this is going on in our culture. And it breaks our heart, breaks my heart that that we're watching so many people that attach themselves to this kind of thinking embolden on these days. And, and, and they feel like legitimized and legitimized. And and the and the film really talks about that because that was the whole KKK's idea is to become is to become legitimized right. as part of pop culture, and that was all part of David Duke's mm-hmm. thing. And then you have these quotes from David Duke recently, yes, at the end of the film, and it's really it's very it's very just troubling. so painful and yeah. and and shocking, and yet it's the reality. And 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 I think what's even more shocking is is that it this is the world we're living in. And so what do you do? How do you, how do you fight that? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that while we were driving home last night. And I was looking back in my life at times that I've been at cocktail parties or at somebody's house, and they were saying, a, I'm going to just put it in this context, They're, they start to bring up a really funny racist joke. Mm-hmm. And the times I didn't call people out on it. I don't think I can do that anymore at all. I, I don't think anymore I can I, I cannot not call that out. Mm-hmm. That when it's around me, I'm, I'm not going to stand for it. In fact, I'll get a, we'll get up and leave. Mm-hmm. But but and I'm emboldened to do that. I think we have to call this nonsense out when it is mm-hmm. appropriate and call it and call it for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, this comment the other night, you know, on on this how we're watching this this political race in Florida mm-hmm. with the governor and the African American Democrat that got nominated and to me the really right wing far. I mean, he has a history of this. Um, the Republican made a monkey comment 
And I just looked at that, and they're trying to backtrack all that. You can't backtrack that. You can't backtrack that. If you've that. said that, that is what you truly feel. You know, I'm and f- there's all of this this talk of, oh well, he didn't mean that. Oh, well, he, he meant monkeying around. Uh, but yeah, I yeah. No, no, that's re- you don't say it. Then no. you don't say it. It's no. what's it's uh, what you say is what's in your heart, and that's what's so that's what's so horrible. And and the fact that people think that they can get away with this, yeah. this and we don't want to get on our soapbox, but yeah, but this movie is all about that. This movie. <laughs> really I think speaks to all of that the underlying the underlying sense of racism that's still going on in our country and that's prominent and and the over the top part of it too and then and also the African American culture and the and the, the black community in our country that's fighting this and what they have to deal with I mean I I the, the other I, side I love of that this movie is there's a there's a scene um early on in the film that's kind of a dance scene. It's fantastic. And it's so beautiful. I will I mean, Spike Lee is a great filmmaker, and this is something that I think one of his, his best things that I've seen that he's done. And it's such a celebration, and it's such a joy, and it's such a, uh, a beautiful display of culture and love and kind of everything that the 60s and 70s kind of were trying to to capture, that then you just look at the other side of all of this hate and all mm-hmm. of this anger and 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 other people thinking that they have a right to put somebody else down. And that's their own insecurities. That's what all of this is. It's somebody who thinks that if they tell somebody else that they are better than them, that that somehow it's going to make them feel better yeah. and you know what it just makes your heart ugly yeah. we, just um, ugly we, ugly people call it out we have to call it out it's awesome it's, and, it, and that dance scene is so, so joyful yeah. and cool it's just it's like a party scene where they're all at a party in the house and they're and they're playing really loud music and all dancing to it and singing along it's really it's cool. cool it's really cool all right i and think this is a challenge to pair one with it it was and and honestly i had kind of thought initially we would just talk about the film and not give a pairing but i do think that this i'm i'm really excited about kind of thinking it through this this pairing and so um as i alluded to in the beginning of the show john legend a couple years ago created a wine um, with Jean-Charles Boisset. Jean-Charles owns uh, JCB, Raymond, Buena Vista. Um, his family is, I want to say, one of the largest Burgundy producers in France. Um, um, great history and lineage with Jean-Charles, and he's just such a fantastic character. So here's a love, little disclaimer. Uh, Jean-Charles Jean is in love with Haley. <laughs> no, Jean-Charles is in love with life. He loves And I'm, We've been around him a lot, and uh, we've had dinner with him, and <laughs> been at events with him, and tasted wine with him, and he loves Haley. I, and he, lets her know every time. He's fantastic. And, it's and, fantastic. And he's He's created an incredible, incredible company. And so when, when John Legend decided that he wanted to kind of create a wine, which which there are a lot of celebrity wines. I think I've, I've talked about this a few times. You know, there's a lot of celebrity wines that I would never dream of of drinking because they're they're just a name on a label and, and often they're kind of dreadful. Um, John Legend really loves wine. He's a, he is a he is a wine lover. He mm-hmm. he's always kind of been a wine drinker since he could drink. That was kind of one of his go to beverages. And um, so when he wanted to create a wine, it was because he wanted to to get his hands dirty. He wanted to to display the passion that he felt in for the 
for the grape in every bottle. And and he and Jean Charles collaborated, working with Raymond Vineyards to create LVE. Um, the the name means Legend Vineyard Exclusive, um, but it also kind of evokes the word love, which also I think is something that in this time of our where our world is 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 very important. Um, created a a cab that's his favorite. I think that was the first one that they did. They have a red blend. They have a Chardonnay. They launched a rosé from Provence last year, or earlier this year, um, the beginning of the summer. And but he's kind of a cab man, which I love. But yeah. more than that, and why, in addition to him just being such an artist and such a strong African American man, um, he also really understands the 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 importance of giving back and he generously gives to dozens of kind of classic charities, gives to the Red Cross, gives to UNICEF, does kind of the, the traditional um, kind of uh, philanthropy giving, but he does more than that. And, and actually kind of has taken it upon himself to figure out ways that, that he can give back not only to his community, but really to, to, to kids, to, to women, to, mm-hmm. to African-Americans and, and started 10, about 10 years ago, started his show me campaign. Show me. And it's basically to break the cycle of poverty. It has to do a lot with, with, um, educating kids mm-hmm. and, and he kind of speaks very, um, emphatically about the fact that he had a really great teacher that encouraged him to write and encouraged him to express himself. And that, that kind of took him on the path to become a songwriter. And, you know, I just a side note, I had a horrible teacher when I was in third grade, who's told me I was never, you know, Haley, don't be a writer, you can't write. And that woman, for my entire life has hung over my head. And even as I've been a writer, and I've been a writer for, you know, a national magazine for 10 years, I, I still remember her. And that drives me crazy. Mm. And so to have, have great teachers and to empower teachers and to give teachers what they need to help these kids succeed, I think is, is just so important. And so... What, was that in grade school? Yes. It was in like third grade. So in seventh grade, I had a teacher tell me, you should write the rest of your life. It was just the opposite. And it, it's hung over me in a great way. I'm sorry that happened to you. I didn't know that happened to <laughs> oh, you. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, she's, it's I horrible. Her to, what a, that's a horrible, that's a horrible teacher. Thing. And it's, and it did for my entire life. It hung over You'll me. You'll never so, amount to anything. So to, horrible people. so to have, you know, a campaign that, that has, that the goal is just to, to help kids achieve their best in school is, is really hmm. impressive. The kind of secondary note of this, and especially because he is helping a lot of kind of inner city kids um, that, that maybe would have kind of a, a direct line from school into the prison system. That's another big part of this. And how do we, how do we educate? How do we give kids what they need to actually make something of themselves so they don't enter into just the cycle that so many kids do of, of never really getting that break and never really doing what they can to, to be their best self. And um, in 2015, he kind of, through this Show Me campaign, started a secondary tier called Free America, which was or is a five-year campaign to, to help reduce mass incarceration rates in the U.S., reverse this school-to-prison kind of pipeline, mm. um, bring these, you know, help help 
people that otherwise, maybe if they have gone to jail for some stupid reason, which is something we see a lot and we see a lot in the African-American community, um, if once they get out of prison, what do they do? Because you have to put that on your job application. And if you're immediately, you know, disregarded because you've had to serve time for something that was nonsense, what do you do? And so that's kind of a a big part of this free America campaign is helping these people find jobs. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. That's a great parent. He's, he's a, just kind of a, such an all around great role model, good family man, kind of, you know, married to gorgeous Chris, Chris Teigen. Yeah. And they both tweet a lot. And they both tweet a lot. Yeah. They're both very active. Very, very active. Yeah. But, but it fits this film and it fits what this film is saying. Also, John Lutz has been in two things in the last year that knocks me out. He was in La La Land. Yes, he was. And he was great in La La Land. He was great. And he's a really good actor. But he was so great in Jesus Christ Superstar on NBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best thing I've ever seen of those. And And he's nominated for an Emmy. And if he wins an Emmy, he's winning that whole cycle. Exactly, exactly. Because he won an Oscar for songwriting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's just good stuff. Hey, when we come back on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, an extraordinary documentary. It's about the life and times of the most celebrated newspaper man on the planet, Ben Bradley, the executive editor of the Washington Post. Uh, Played recently in films by Tom Hanks, played him in The Post. And years ago, Jason Robards played him in All the President's Men. And we will be right back. Over the past few weeks, we've been sharing our latest wine discovery with you, our grateful listeners, Wine Access. And on the heels of National Red Wine Day and Cabernet Day, as we toast the end of summer, there's a day for everything. We want you to know more about what makes Wine Access so special. Their impressive portfolio of small production, premium quality. I'm going to talk about red wines today in particular. From passionate winemakers crafting small lot wines that are otherwise really difficult to find. And here's the deal. Wine Access makes it so easy to find these delicious, I like the word handcrafted wines, that you're going to love from all over the world, like impressive selections from Bordeaux and Barolo and Napa and more. I love their philosophy that the barrier to the world's finest wine isn't always the price. Mm -hmm. It's access to them. From small vineyards to iconic winemakers, wine access never settles in the hunt to find extraordinary wines that often exceed expectations, like the 2012 Talente Brunello di Montalcino DOCG. It's earthy, it's intense, it's robust. For the quality of this wine and, yeah. and the story behind it, it's $55, which isn't inexpensive, but for what you get, it's it's a complete steal. Yeah, that's a steal. Wine Access is a team of wine experts. They taste thousands of bottles every year, from well-known wineries to small hidden gems from all over the world. They only select the very best to offer us wines that over-deliver in value, tasting as though they cost twice as much, like that Brunello. Yay. And they share the full story with you, where the wine comes from, the story of the vintners and the winemakers, the families behind each of these wines. And that's why we want you to try Wine Access, too. So we've arranged an exclusive, limited-time offer. You're going to get 20% off these great wines that already over-deliver on price. And you can order as many bottles as you like. But to take advantage of this offer, you must go now to our special URL. It's wineaccess.com slash Cogill. This offer won't last long, so order now to get this fantastic 20% off deal. For full details, go to our special website. It's wineaccess.com slash Cogill. I like 20% off. Go now, wineaccess.com slash Cogill. 
C-O-G-I-L-L. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. So the other night, together, we watched a documentary on television that both of us just can't stop thinking about or even talking about, especially since the press has been labeled by the current administration as the enemy of the people, which just makes me angry. Uh, It's a terrific film, and it says a lot of what we think and admire about news, especially really good news. The Newspaper Man, The Life and Times of Ben Bradley. Uh, it's directed by John Maggio, who did Frontline and the American Experience. It's kind of like 95% alien on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that I always stick by Rotten Tomatoes, but when it's it gets good, into the 90s, yeah, they're usually good pretty indicator. good. Absolutely. You know, Spike Lee's film was like 94, 95%. And it profiles Ben Bradley from, he, he was born in 1921 and he passed away in 2014. But during that period of 1968 to 91, he was the executive editor of the Washington Post who was largely credited, I mean, that's when Watergate happened, and he was in charge then of taking down President Nixon in 74 after that paper broke the Watergate story. And it's chronicled also in in that wonderful film with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, The Post. But it's also about his time before that and his service in World War II and his early career as a journalist. And what we found fascinating was his incredible relationship with Jackie with and Kennedys. JFK, yeah. with the Kennedys. Yeah. I had no idea. It. I love this film so much. I thought, I think, you know, I love a great doc, and I love the story. And you're right. I, I, the the secret. You know, it was almost this. Like I had, you have no idea. And the whole discussion of okay, you have someone who is like the head of the press and the president of the United States going after each other, but. No, as friends, as you oh, know, they oh, sorry, kind yes. of coming up I was together. Thinking Nixon, but the, we're talking about, yeah, um, no, of Kennedy, JFK. of um, and their whole friendship, and how you know he was on the campaign trail with them as their friend, and all of a sudden now he's covering them as as uh, a writer. He was with Newsweek before he was with. I the think Post. so before. Um, that's, that's pretty much a conflict of interest, you would think, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> although they wanted those stories from him. Well, exactly, and 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 they kind of had that same. I think he was a, a massive. Massachusetts guy kind of had that same Boston ethic kind of upbringing and and their the the home videos and the photos that they have of them on on boats together and them hanging out together and having cocktail hour together was fantastic. It was a video I've never seen, footage yeah. I've never seen before. Also, it doesn't cover up the philandering. It doesn't uh, it doesn't dwell on it a lot. But it doesn't gloss over it. I mean, I really, there was a lot going on in Kennedy's life, and there was a lot going on in Ben Bradley's yes, life. Yes, there was. On, and, on Little Philandering there yes, as well. Going on all the way around. They were kind of, you know, the, the, it's, it's just fascinating. And then, and then you have all the women around them mm-hmm. that are either a part of that or not a part of that. Mm-hmm. And that that whole culture and society of, I mean, they were all very wealthy and very privileged and did a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But um, but it doesn't cover up that, and I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. This is a really, this is a really, but it's all Honest. leading. It's really leading up to his because it's called the newspaper man. Well, his yes. time there, yes, and 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 the story with the the Vietnam papers that was mm-hmm. the Pentagon more papers, the, or the yeah. Pentagon pa- yeah. papers that the um, that the Post kind of showed, and then going into all the president's men with with Watergate, and Nixon, and 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 I kind of loved the whole I mean this guy was somebody that got into news because he wanted the he wanted the action he wanted to be on the front lines he wanted to be out there and he liked the 
the celebrity that it brought him, which is also kind of, I think it's, it's so common, you know, I, I worked in, in talent placement for a long time for news and, and we called them talent. And that's just become such a, a, a common phrase for, for when you think of an anchor or a reporter and it's like your, that your talent and yes, your news talent, but your, the journalism aspect (laughs) has sometimes gotten lost in the fact that they might be pretty or they, they, you know, they can, they can, they might not have any storytelling ability, but if they look good on camera, then all of a sudden you're talent. Well, you also had a newsroom here that had an enormous amount of talent, Mm -hmm. didn't have to be good looking, just really great writers and doing good stories. But he was kind of, he was the ultimate talent in that newsroom. And he was a bon vivant. I mean, he was... He was out running around. He was out having fancy dinners. Right. He he liked the celebrity he part of being. He loved the celebrity the, part of it. He kind of reminded me of that documentary we saw on The Chef, on The Famous Chef. Uh, I won't come back to me. He was living in South America now. But but just this whole idea of being famous. And, and I mean, he really fed off that. But at the same time, he was really great at what, what he did. You know, if you have a guy who's a celebrity, if you have a person, I shouldn't say guy, a person who's a celebrity and horrible at what they do, that's not good. But you can put up with a lot if a person is really great at what they do. And, and But he was a really, I think he was a gracious, as a newspaper man, gracious to his staff. He was there for him all the time. He appeared to be and and would get in your face and say things to you to make you better. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. I, I feel like my time in a, in, in a newsroom, which was 24 years uh, with WFA in Dallas, that my years with Marty Haig reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Take the Flandering and all that other stuff kind of out mm-hmm. of all that and just deal with the, with the news because Marty was amazing. Mm-hmm. I felt like I worked for the best television news person in the country. He always reminded me of Ben Bradley mm-hmm. and his ability to run a newsroom and get to the story and get to the heart of it. And I, I, Well, and it's true. I, I want to say if my Nielsen years uh, uh, don't fail me, that, that for many years when Marty was running WFAA, it was the number one ABC affiliate in the country. In the country. Oh, I remember my first day in the newsroom and I walked in and I went, oh my God, there's Bill Brown. There's Doug Fox. Right. There's Tracy Rowlett. There's Byron Harris. There's Byron Harris. Oh my God, the great Byron Harris. And I, would just, I was in awe of all of these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and then to be a part of that newsroom for so long was amazing. But I I I value so the, the discussion for me here is I value like Black Klansman, which we talked about before. Um, I value I value that movie in its own way. I value this movie in its own way because it celebrates what's great about journalism. And to to have the current administration say you're the enemy of the people if it's you don't agree deplorable. with everything you say is is despicable to me and this and it has to be fought just like racism has to be fought and called out this has to be fought and called out and well, you, it's one of you our, get in every day and do your job and do it right it's one of our our you know the the amendments to the constitution yeah, freedom of the press freedom of the press it's and and to have anyone Combat that is just mind blowing to me. Well, at the highest level, to combat that, it's and, and because you know, if you it, listen, it's it's not always, journalism is not always comfortable. It's not supposed to be. No. It's supposed to tell you, you know, you're not supposed to have a, an obvious bias. You're supposed to 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 report the facts. Right. And yes, there, as we have learned, there is a lot of fake out there. But 
But when the story is the story, you can't change the story. When somebody says monkey, you can't change the, the you can't fact change that the word monkey. Monkey. It's just you, you it just, just can't is, change that. It's just uh, <laughs> it just makes no sense to yeah, me. Yeah, and to alter that, and so you know this new reality of just you know, no, you're fake. No, you're fake. No, you're fake. We, I think we all know what fake is. Yeah. You and I do. We're, we're, I think. I think we ha- live in a world of people that are smart yeah. enough to figure it out. Yeah, there are facts and there are statistics, yes. and that's not fake. And the, let's move forward off that, and let's deal with it, and own it. Let's own it. And when you make a mistake, own, own up it. to it. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, people do. So I've just I, I I celebrate this movie, in, in this documentary, in many ways, and that I'm fascinated by his personal life. And then I'm fascinated at the integrity of his professional life. Because I do think that that, that is well displayed and that he did. Yeah. He kept one very separate from the other. Yeah. And and that was... He reminds me of a little of David Lean, the great director, <laughs> who had multiple wives and multiple mistresses and made great and films. And still made great films. And listen, I will never... And not so much with Ben Bradley, but, but you know, that's a whole... We'll have that discussion on the great... David Lean someday. The the nice thing though, I um, yeah, it's it's uh, for both of us. I think that that I love this this documentary because because I love newsrooms and I love shop talk and I love that whole you know what's going on and and listening to to the story behind the story. You know, we've also our whole lives we run into people that say, oh, I don't watch the news and I don't follow the news and I and I can't get uh, I can't read enough. You know, we live on an island now, and, and access to newspapers is a little bit different than it, than it was. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that people around here don't read newspapers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're reading a lot online, mm-hmm. but you, they're not holding newspapers as much anymore. And it's hard to find a newspaper around here, even though we write for one of them <laughs> uh, locally. Uh, but it, it's, it, but I can't imagine putting my head in the sand and not being involved in the world and what's going on and wanting to know about the world and how it works. Well, and I think that that's why we're we also are people that like to travel and that we like to have experiences and we like to see the world and 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 sadly I think there are a lot of people that kind of just might live in their never go 30 miles from their town yeah. in the middle of Oklahoma. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> or Arkansas. <laughs> Louisiana. I'm just okay, name states. So let's just... How are you going to pair with a newsman? Well, so a couple different things. I thought it would be fun because yeah. um, a, a delicious premium quality wine um, that that both of us have enjoyed a few times uh, just released their 2015 vintage, and it's called the Debate. It's prime Napa Valley Beckstoffer fruit. Um, Beckstoffer is greatness. Heritage vineyards of Napa, uh, created by consulting winemaker Jean. Finger. Um, and sorry, John, I think I might have completely butchered your name, but he's a winemaker also for Alpha Omega. Fantastic, mm-hmm. yeah. fantastic wines. This is high end wine. Rob McKay, high end wine. I want to say it's $175, $200 a bottle. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I love that when they just start, they started these wines, they, they make three different wines every year from three different Beckstoffer vineyards Tokalon, Missouri Hopper, and Dr. Crane. And and each are very, very individualistic expressions of why Napa Valley fruit is so why Napa Valley is so ideal for growing Cabernet Sauvignon and why you do within this very, very small piece of land of what Napa Valley is, have so many different AVAs mm-hmm. that you have St. Helena where Dr. Crane is that is so completely different than than the earthy Oakville fruit. Um, that Tokalon is, right. and and 
that within this this small time period, so the or a small distance, you have all of these these fantastic terroir differences. And that's displayed in the bottle. And so you get that when you drink the wine, that, that you you the wine will spark a conversation. But how what they kind of wanted this wine to be, and that you you enjoy a wine sitting around a, a table with friends is to have a great conversation. And so they wrap each and every bottle of the debate and basically what looks like a newspaper, which I thought for the newspaper man. Newspaper was headlines and things? Um, and so they wrap wow. it in in a, a kind of newspaper printed with top kind of headlines that were going on that year because, as we know, it's now 2018 and they're just now releasing their 2015 vintage. And so this is kind of what the world was talking about then. So you open up the packaging and you, you look at the newspaper and the idea is that this will spark an additional conversation of, you know, this is what the world was focused on then. This is what we were thinking Mm -hmm. about. How has that changed? What's going on now? How, I mean, I want to say that the, the start of the 2016 election was very hot in 2015. So that's kind of an obvious topic. And so how, how has our world changed since then? You know, if I open that bottle right now, and by the way, it's a privilege to drink those bottles because yes. they're, they're, they're really great wines. I'd talk about the Hawaii team winning the Little League World Series. I'd t- I'd, I'd, yes, and for the two thousand for the two thousand eighteen vintage, yes, I, I would talk about that also. Yeah. No, I just, it, it just but it, you know, it's a jump off point. You know, just having that newspaper print and having those headlines around the bottom yeah. is really fascinating. It is. It'll be fun to see or interesting to see what the two thousand sixteen and seventeen and eighteen and as they yeah. continue to make this beautiful wine, what those. Um, what the the newspaper will read. Oh, you're right. 16 would be the election. And, and, you know, the 17, the fires in California. And, and yeah, I might, I might zinge on a little note and say, make sure to include the, the little league Hawaii team winning the world championship in your 2018 newspaper print. Um, Also kind of with that thought it'd be interesting as we talk about, about good stories I'm, I, I've often kind of, we've talked about how, how Napa Valley is changing. And, and this week, another kind of uh, big announcement came and that Longmeadow Ranch purchased Stony Hill Winery up on Spring Mountain. And, and we've both enjoyed many Stony Hill wines. I think that their Chardonnay is one of the, the finest Chardonnays made in the world. Um, it's lean, it's crisp, it's, it's not, it, it bucks what a lot of California Chardonnays went to in the 80s and 90s. It's maintained, it's, it's been, um, it was planted in the 70s um, by the McRae family. They, they, in a time where over the years as Napa became one much more expensive and much more extracted and, and over just trying to 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 get away from trying to make wines that maybe someone thought would be trendy versus mm-hmm. allowing the the fruit to tell the story and allowing the vineyard to tell the story they maintain that and they maintain that in these just gorgeous you know mountain fruit Cabernets and and 
white Riesling. They, they continued to make Riesling in a time where everybody else stopped making Riesling mm-hmm. because they loved it. Floral and fresh Gewurztraminer. And this just just knocks my socks off. Old vine Chardonnay mm-hmm. that that was was a really really fantastic thing. And so they they did announce this week that Long Meadow Ranch has purchased them. Um, Long, Acquisitions are a big story, ac- exactly. And, they are. and um, or acquired them. I think that they will continue to maintain a presence. They're a longtime winemaker who has been with them since the 70s. We'll continue on this um, particular vintage for the 2018 vintage, then become winemaker emeritus. Um, and and it's, it, it, I have hope that they won't change them that much, but you just never know. And no. I think about this, you know, Frank Family is another one of my favorite Napa Valley wines. And, and, Rich Frank is an older gentleman, and his kids have their own careers. And so, what's going to happen to that winery when, when, when he decides that he wants to to not be a part of this business anymore? Yeah. He had a whole you know career in filmmaking before he became a winemaker. So, well, and the hope is that that whatever acquisition happens, or whoever they sell it to, or not, right, whoever takes it over, will maintain, maintain, and and you know, this is also on the heels of Costa Brown just sold to Duckhorn that had sold a few years ago. Um, Heights has sold to a billionaire citrus farmer. Um, wow. Last year, Stagecoach Vineyard, one of the finest vineyards in Napa, sold yeah. to Gallo. And it, it, you kind of just continue to see this change as as land in Napa gets more expensive and wines get more expensive. And, and there is this whole kind of conversation of what's going to happen next, especially with, with so many of these investors that are investors and not winemakers. Yeah. And they're... They're investing in products as a second or third careers. So who's going to then take it after that? You know, people that, well, like our, our friends, the Cockrells, that, yeah. you know, Clay is a, a, a dermatologist by trade. And then they started this winery, Cockrell Family Vineyards in Napa and Calistoga. And, and like, what will happen What's the next phase of that? Of that so yeah. it's it's just a interesting time, and and especially when you don't have have generational families like in so many Europeans that it's just, just so many European wineries that it's just automatic that the next generation will take over. That's just what they do, and you don't have that as much in America. So late breaking news, late breaking wine news from Haley Hamilton Kogo. <laughs> just an interesting conversation to have. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, more great films, either in theaters or on demand because we're always looking out for them, along with wines and pairings always worthy of celebration. For more on the films and the wines we've talked about today, be sure to follow our blog on cogillconsulting.com or through Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill, and to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A perfect pairing. Aloha.